Oh, this fucking episode. Fuck, man. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Fuck. Third Eye Blind. This band formed in San Francisco. San- oh, dude, I can't even do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the greatest episode ever. <laughs> Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! I totally forgot to hey. This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different album and we get into the nitty gritty of it. We get we dissect it. We we tell you about things. We tell you things about the album that you've never heard, that you've never read, because only we know about. Only we know about these things. I don't even know where I'm going with know this. about them. My name is Tyler. My name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds the of miles away, way out there in the ether, <laughs> is Jeff. Uh, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on, on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Email is asinineradio gmail dot com. Uh, give us a five star rating and review on iTunes because that helps. And don't be a Bocephus and give us a one star because that guy's a fucking knucklehead. Yeah. So go give us good ratings because, goddamn, we fucking deserve it because we're the best. It's true. And we're very humble people. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so if you don't know already, um, we're doing a Third Eye Blind album. And we, we decided early on that we're not going to rank these albums because, honestly, the only good good to decent ones are the first two. Oh. Everything after that is just... Meh. Did you, you know? did you attempt to listen to them? No, I only listened to the first two. <laughs> oh, so you listened to Blue as well? Yeah, I listened to Blue. Oh, okay. That's yeah, not really... I, I just, I didn't want to bother. I don't know. After you said, like, don't even bother with it, I'm just like, okay, I'm down. Because so everything I've heard recently, I didn't really like. I got so. through Blue. I got through Out of out of Vein, Out of the Vein. And then I made it into two songs into Ursa Major. And mm-hmm. it was just, I just said, fuck this. I'm done. Done, 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 done. <laughs> that bad? Why? It's, why exactly? Like, why am I listening to this when I can just listen to fucking their first album? Nothing of theirs the, that they've done is good. Even everything from Blue, nothing on Blue like was great. Never let you go, boring. Deep inside no, of I, you, boring. No, never let you go is a really good song. That's a solid song. The best song on Blue is is the last song, Slow Motion, where it's just very mm. kind of like a medley. It's very very calm. That's the best song on Blue, but Blue's boring. I don't care. It's okay. It's okay. Like they, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But they lost. They had some good magic, and they lost yeah. it. They fucked it up, and they lost it. And you can they clearly lost it tell. Fast. They lost it very fast too. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, what album are we doing today, Jeff? We're doing Third Eye Blind by Third Eye Blind. See you 
Oh, I don't know what happened. What is going on? (laughs) Oh, shit. I don't know. Okay. Oh, my God. This is the worst day of my life. Okay. Whatever. This is fucking third eye blind. (laughs) I'm over here checking my connections and stuff. Oh, this fucking episode. Fuck, man. Okay. Anyway. Fuck. Third Eye Blind. This band formed in San San. Oh, dude, I can't even do this. <laughs> oh, this is the greatest episode ever. This band we're doing today, Third Eye Blind. They formed in San Francisco, California, in 1993 by Kevin Cadigan on guitar and Stephen Jenkins on vocals. They currently have six albums, four EPs, two compilations, and have sold well over. 9 million copies worldwide but the album we're doing today is their self-titled debut record uh, and it was re- ah, fuck it was released <laughs> March 26th 1997 it features Kevin Cadigan on guitar uh, Stephen Jenkins on vocals Arian Salazar on uh, bass and Brad Hargraves and Michael Urbano on drums this album is their most successful album to date and it has sold well over 6 million copies worldwide and Jeff, what are your first impressions on this debut record from this this band, Third Eye Blind? Go. My my mom had this this record, you know, when it came out. I, that that was my that was my introduction to them. My mom had it. Um, I've 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 loved Jumper, Semi Charmed Life. Loved them forever. I still do. A little bit less Jumper now. But, um, yeah, that was my first introduction. And then Blue came out, and I was pretty stoked about it. And I remember getting that one on one of those order catalog things and just being like, Columbia what House. the fuck is this? Even as a kid, I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? And ever since then, man, they just, I've never been the same. It's been downhill, man. Never been, been the downhill, same. Downhill, bro. And it All truly right, has yeah. been downhill what? for them. Like, every year, things yeah. just get worse for this band. It's pretty remarkable how that <laughs> how that happens, and yet yet they continue. I don't know. I really don't. I don't understand it. Uh, now, my first impression on this one: I got this record or the CD pretty much when it came out. This was one of the first CDs I ever got, along with Alanis Morissette, uh, "Jagged Little Pill," uh, the "All That" soundtrack, yeah. the "Hootie and the Blowfish" record. I <laughs> forgot the name of it, uh, and Green Day. Green Day's Dookie. Uh, so along with those records and this record from Third Eye Blind, those are the first CDs I ever got growing up. Uh, and I that's all I had for like a couple of years before I got actually like really got into music. And the only reason why I got this was because I would always hear Semi-Charm Life all the fucking time on the radio on Kiss FM here in L.A. You know, Kiss FM was the big pop station. And um, and yeah, so they would play that song all the time. And that's all my mom listened to. And or, or my dad only listened to talk radio. But my mom only listened to Kiss FM when we were kids, <laughs> and so, yeah. So this is this song was always played on Kiss FM, which is very very strange. But that's what led me to buy the CD, and I loved it back then. I never got into Blue, into that record, but I always knew the oh, fuck, dude. What's the name of that fucking song? Deep inside you. No, what's the the other one? Oh. um... Oh my god. No, I can't think of it either. We we're just talking fuck. about it. We were yeah, we literally were just talking about it. Holy shit. That's how stupid um, it is, but, see? No, it's, it's still never a good let you song, go. but anyway. Never Let You Go. Never Let oh, You that's Go. A, that's a great song. 
But anyway. Dude, how can you not like that? It's so catchy. Oh, shut up. You love pop punk. You have no right to say something's too whiny. Too whiny. No right. No right. Uh, yeah, so so that that's my whole thing on Third Eye Blind. And then after that, like much like you, like I never listened to anything after that because I didn't even know they were still a band up until maybe like five years ago. And but they they've put out albums consi- not consistently, but you know they've put out albums. Yeah, they've they've had several droughts, and then that's yeah. that's the reason why people kind of forget about them. Plus the fact that you know Stephen Jenkins is a total dick. Yeah. Like every band that tours with them, always complain about him. He's almost as bad as uh, what is it? Art from Everclear. Art Alexis. Something like that. Yeah, like it's always those two guys, Stephen Jenkins and Art from Everclear, that are always, you know, the talk. They're always talk shit on the most out of any band that's ever toured with them. It's pretty interesting. Like you would think at some point you would just kind of like change your attitude. Like what? Like what? Why do you want to? Why would you want to be like that? Why would you want to be so disliked? It's not even like just bands too. Just like things I've been reading this week, and just people that have worked with Third Eye Blind throughout the years and worked with Stephen Jenkins think he's a total doucher. Mm-hmm. And that's that's embarrassing. It is. I I don't I don't understand it. And it, it sucks too because you know the, this this band as far as I read. It was like a collaboration between just Steven and Kevin Cadigan. And then Steven totally fucks Kevin. Like, just screws him out of everything. Fires him from the band shortly after the second record came out. And then they, they were in a lawsuit together for unpaid royalties. And it's just, dude, like, why? Like, why do you do that? I just don't understand. Like, ethically and just like, just as a, I don't understand how you'd be that shitty of a person. Because there's no way that, that Kevin is that bad of a person to where you have to fuck him out of his own money. It's fucked. Especially because I think that Kevin wrote all of the, or most of the melodies and Steven only provided lyrics. I, mm-hmm. A lot of the things that I read pointed towards Kevin writing melodies and Steven writing lyrics. Yeah. So the only thing Steven's bringing to the table is just a phenomenal voice because he's got a killer voice. He does, absolutely. And also pretty fucking damn good lyrics too but they would be nothing mm-hmm. without those iconic melodies and even more so like the great instrumentation he's a fantastic yeah. guitar player and he knows how to you know he knows how to just like play perfectly to like this weird little niche that we wanted and and third eye blind mm-hmm. is just kind of like a i want to say like oasis is a poor man's third eye blind <laughs> but <laughs> But they came well, out like first, and and it's it's sad to say it that way, but that's kind of what it is. Oasis is just like a poor man's third eye blind. I I agree with you on that because I think o- Oasis is almost as overrated. No, they're more overrated than Bob Dylan. There I said it. But it's funny that you brought up Oasis too, because from what I was reading, Third Eye Blind did open up for them back in like '96. Like I think right, or I think it was right before this album came out. This was their first like real show. Trying to impress the, like executives, yeah. At a so they label. play, yeah. So they opened up for Oasis, and then they were loved so much by the crowd that Third Eye Blind got an encore after Oasis played. Like what, how? That probably has to be like the first time that's ever happened, at least in popular music. And how does the opener get an encore <laughs> after the 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 lead the the headliner? And they got a kickback. They got like a bonus in money. Oh, yeah. The promoter like kicked them back more money, which was also probably the first and last time that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. 
So that's yeah, <laughs> like that's it's just crazy to think that. I mean, but rightfully so. Like rightfully so. This band, this album is absolutely killer. This band is absolutely phenomenal. There's a lot of things that are so unique to this band. A lot of sounds that even still today, no one's really been able to kind of recapture like this because this is kind of cemented in the '90s lore anyway. Yeah. And so doing it now would just would you, people would just classify you as like a third eye blind ripoff or whatever it is. So just to have that iconic sound right from the get-go, like right out the gates, you've already solidified your sound. But even Oasis was already trying to do this sound. And like but nobody not doing thinks it well, about Oasis. So. Oasis only has one song. Oasis only written one song, according to the population yeah. of the world. They've only <laughs> written one song. But Third Eye Blind, and that song's not even good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just it's 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 just fun oh. to sing along to you for like three seconds, and then you're like, okay, I'm over it. I'm done. Yeah, even then, it's just like. You want to punch yourself in the face, realizing that you were singing it for three seconds. I just like saying "today," and then I'm over it. Oh, it's so bad. But yeah, I mean, like, like Third Eye Blind, like right out the gates, made up their own sound and did it better than everyone else has done it before, and everyone else who will ever do it after them. I think it's a, I think it's a mixture of you know the fact that if it, if it's true or not, but if Kevin was able to write such great melodies, Stephen was the perfect person to execute them. Like they were like this perfect combination of songwriters because the way that Steven sings, like he has this way of, of throwing in this, this crazy falsetto at the most interesting times, but that, and at times that shouldn't work, but for whatever reason, they just, it just sounds perfect. Like it's almost to the point where it's like wrong and it should sound bad, but you can't help but love it because it's like such a curveball. His falsetto parts are just such a fucking curveball in, this, in some of the songs. Yeah, it's truly amazing. Truly yeah. amazing. I think I think that's that's also what elevates his band is is he is a good singer on mm-hmm. album and live. Like he sings really well live. If he's not super fucked up and stoned, he sings really yeah. well live. Like my mom has seen this band like a dozen times. I think didn't she see him when they uh, when they played with Jimmy World like last year or two years ago? She had tickets. And I was living here, and she couldn't go, so she offered me the tickets, and then I texted in the group chat, but nobody wanted to go. So then she ended up giving them to, like, a neighbor or something. Oh, uh, okay. But she's seen them, like, probably, I think she's seen them in almost all the decades, like, the, two, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. That's crazy. That's so cool, though. That's so cool. She says it's a really good show. She says every time he comes out, he's always, like, barefoot, and he's just kind of, like, chills, and he's okay. always high. And, yeah. <laughs> so you know i guess whatever that's worth that's fun yeah that's interesting that's huh okay. i just i, I mean I, I it's cool i don't know i just i hate talking shit on steven jenkins because he's he is so fucking talented but everything i hear he's a douche i i, I feel like there's two there's two steven jenkins there's there's self-titled and before steven jenkins and then there's a the day they got the money and after steven jenkins the day before they yeah. got the money and before, like Stephen Jenkins was probably a really cool dude, really down to earth, very, very real, very honest. After that, yeah. he's just a money grubbing little shit. Did you read too the the thing where before they got signed, they were playing a show, and I guess at their early shows they used to have pinatas out in the crowd, and people would like destroy them, and candy would get everywhere. Yeah. So so the day they played like an A and R like event or a party like a big thing where a lot of executives were there this was to get signed this was to get money yeah so they they (laughs) filled this this pinata with live crickets and the crowd destroyed it and just crickets were fucking everywhere (laughs) i mean just what a way to like 
really stand out. I mean, what a what an interesting way to to stand out from every other band or anything like that. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. It's just, it's so dumb, but like that's yeah. what Third Eye Blind was. A lot of their lyrics, a lot of their songs, they just don't make sense. There's a lot of part like in, for instance, in Semi Charm Life that we are we've already played that that like drum intro it just it feels like it shouldn't match it does it like the intro with the drums is doing something a little bit different than the guitar and everything's just kind of like doing different things and it feels like all together it just it's, there's no timing to it and it feels weird yeah but it, does. it goes together so well and then you can throw in the doot doot dudes who doesn't love doot doot dudes <laughs> come on what are you doing uh i guess that i guess i mean we might as well talk about semi term life then right yeah okay so Let's see here. So I think this is like one of the more depressing songs on this record, yet it's one of the poppiest and catchiest, like you said, with the doo doo doots <laughs> and everything else. It's it's one of those those weird songs that some bands do really well, and they, they fucking nailed it with this song in so many ways. They thought that this wasn't a good like radio single, too. Like Jenkins and Cadigan, they, they didn't think that this would be a good radio single because of like the drug implications and it's just not, it wasn't like their best work. They thought that this wasn't what really third eye blind was about. And they also recorded, I think, how's it going to be in slow motion prior? Like that was their first demo that they used to even get in the door. And then slow Mm -hmm. motion ended up being on blue on the next album over. But yeah, man, like, like, I don't know. How do you not think semi charm life is not going to be a banger? I just don't, like after you're done writing and you sit back and you're like, wow, dude, that was good. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way you cannot think that's not a banger. I don't understand. How can you not love it? I mean, especially with that bridge too. <laughs> oh my god, that bridge is is great. And also with the, with with semi charm live, like you said, it, it is all about drug use, and and it talks about you know it, the story in the song like shows how like when him and his girlfriend they first try, I think of what it was a crystal meth. Yeah, it was crystal yeah. meth. When they first try it that first time, like that amazing feeling that they had just from the drug and then being with one another. So then the rest of the song or the rest of the story talks about them chasing that first high, but never reaching it. And so, and the way, the way he, his, he's, he, his lyrics are written is to where like, he could be talking strictly about the drug, but he's, but it could also be a metaphor about the relationship with his girlfriend at the time. Like he has this, I love his lyrics. First of all, his his lyrics on this record are <laughs> they're just, really good. They're unbelievably good. There's, I could not believe how good they were. Because he can he can um, do that. Like like you said, he can dance around two different things and kind of like go in in both camps back and forth, even like mid line, to where the whole song could be written one way, but it could also be interpreted another way, or it could go between both of them. It's just he's that good. He's that good. Yeah, and it's all hidden behind that the doo doo doots and the. <laughs> The poppiness and catchiness of it. it it's its like, you know, I i, I, I kind of want to compare it to how the NAACP, well, not the NAACP, what's the the Mothers Against Drunk Driving? The Mad? Mad, yeah. The, the lawsuit and how, you know, they were they were only going after like metal bands like Twisted Sister, yeah. Frank Zappa and shit like that. And then John Denver comes along and says, okay, well, I have these songs about marijuana and, and stuff like that. Why aren't you getting after me? It's because he he addresses the or his lyrics and in his songs are about that, but then his music is very poppy and folky, so people didn't bat an eye to it. But because it's aggressive and and crazy, that's when people got all upset with Twisted Sister and bands like that. 
and I thought that was very interesting. I feel like it's it's kind of that same concept with Semi Charm Life, where yeah, lyrically it's so fucking dark and about drugs, but it's it's with this this wildly catchy hook and everything about it is just catchy and fun and I love it. It's the it's great. Yeah. I, I like I love that song. I like the pre chorus and kind of how he plays on like that musical theme as well. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he's speaking to him, like the chorus to the verse. Yeah. And he chops another line like a coda with a curse. Oh, I love that one. That part too. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy, <laughs> this guy can not only just, just throw out some really interesting, deep, fun lyrics, but he has this, he has this almost hip hop flow to him. The way he, he does, the way he oh. kind of like rants and the way his speech is and everything else. Like he has this little hip hop flair to him. He's so know, good. And just, and just reading that pre, cause I'm, I'm looking at the pre-chorus right now and it just, I, 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 I'm not going to sing it, but just thinking about it in my mind, it's just like, dude, the guy has, the guy was, the guy is so fucking talented. It, it's insane. I, how talented I, he is. I just love and, that line so much. I speak to you like a, like the chorus to the verse. Like again, going on like the playing thing, like the chorus play, the, the chorus does well because the verse sets it up. Yeah. And he does well because whoever he's with sets him up or he does well because the fucking drugs set him up well. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, that's good. That's good. Music is life, yep. bro. According to <laughs> Mr. Jenkins. No. Oh, God, that's embarrassing. You know, what's funny about this song, too, is that I think th- I mean, there are a lot of words, a lot of lyrics in this song. Yeah. Yet we know every fucking word to this yeah. song well, I, and we can sing along to it. I th- I. Th- as I was reading the lyrics this week, a lot of the things that I've thought I've, he said, he did not say. Yeah, same year. <laughs> but uh, I got it now. You know, I've, after yeah. three decades almost, I got it. I got it. Yeah, and then the bridge too. Normally bridges are are fairly short and they're mostly instrumental, but not here. It's all lyrics, and it's a lot. Like it, the the lyrics just in the bridge could fill one entire like punk song. Dude, then then the bass slide in the bridge. There's this bass oh, slide, and yeah. it comes in so hard, and it's so fine. That's another thing too. The bass kills it on this entire album. It's so good. It's, it's underrated for sure. And in this song specifically, the bass kind of goes back and forth from from playing the melody to also just just kind of like like noodling. He just he just kind of playing with the guitar at some parts, and then he goes and plays the melody with Jenkins some parts. So the bass itself is kind of playing off the different members of the band and. It's fantastic. Yeah, that absolutely is. And also the production on this record, I I feel this is like pinnacle 90s indie rock. You know, this isn't like the ska or like what kind of like new metal was doing in the late 90s with like the high the high snare cracks, but this is like the perfect production of an indie record. Like this sets the bar for that of the 90s. I think this is a flawlessly created record in that sense. Yes. It's fucking fantastic. That that part kind of bothers me, though. Why is that? Because, so, okay, so the, the, it's it, it's two guys. It's Kevin and Steven. Mm-hmm. They form Thread Blind. They make music. They have these high hopes. They have these dreams. Their music is great. They don't have anybody else to play instruments with them, so they they they, they know local musicians. You know, maybe they're just like friends of friends. It's nobody they're extremely close to, so they they essentially just get like some. At the time, they probably thought they were just hired guns to come in and record with them, and then they get this guy Eric Valentine to come in, 
and and he helps him with the production. It's fine. Like everything is fine. This record works. It sounds fantastic. But then this guy starts playing instruments on some of the songs, and I don't, not a you fan like of that. that. Not at all. No, I don't. Is it too Feldy like for you? Yes, no it way. is. It's too Feldy like for me, and it's too, it's too, uh, it, it's it's too much of an abuse of power. And I <laughs> and I think I think that I mean Eric, he's he's done some other really big stuff like uh, songs for the deaf, right? Queens of Stone Age. Yeah, a couple of Taking Back Sunday albums. So he's done a lot of a lot of big stuff. And I, th- I think it almost seems like he just took advantage of these two guys who, who just needed a band, who needed a manager, who needed a producer, who needed a, ra- a label, but they had all these great music and everyone's just trying to get their little fucking fingers into these guys' great vision. Yeah, but the, but the difference here is that he's not sharing songwriting credits with, with Steven and Kevin. He, he's just playing the instrument. I, I think in a way he's, he's saving them money by not having a studio, by having a session musician there you know what i mean so i don't i don't fault him too much there because he he didn't he didn't ask for or he didn't get songwriting credits as far as i can tell i mean i i don't i don't own the album or anything like that but online yeah he does it, he's listed right there is he as as a writer i mean i was writing like the parts of for the drums or the keyboards or whatever he yeah wrote. but he's not but he's not a song he doesn't have songwriting credits yeah but you that's you where because that's where you make wrote, the big though. money yeah, no, you don't know what he wrote, but it's not like he. I don't think he was taking advantage of him because he's not getting extra royalties. Well, you for don't the know that either, credits. though. Well, no, I technically don't, but from everything I've seen, it doesn't. It doesn't show that. So he played piano, guitar, and keyboards. And yeah. as as far so on the on the track that he played guitar on, that's the that's the that's the one that Jenkins plays drums on. That's uh, I want you. Yeah, yeah. And so. I don't know. I, see, I don't know if if Jenkins is is playing drums on one on one song, and then Eric Valentine's coming in and playing guitar along with Kevin Cadigan. Did they co-write that song together? I don't know. I mean, the songwriting credits only only lists Jenkins, but I mean, a lot of I, I don't know a lot of times, but sometimes with the songwriting credit, that's only going to be for like the melody or the lyrics. But yeah, if, if someone if someone brings a melody and says, "Hey, you guys should write a song around this," and they take that and extrapolate from that, the person that brought that initial thought, they're not going to get songwriting credits because you know their their idea has now been taken and and, and blown into something else. And, but yeah. like even even us discussing this irritates me. I just <laughs> that's why I don't like this. I don't like when producers do anything in the band. You're not a fucking member of the band. I agree, Stay but I, I also think. I think you're you're so you're so upset mainly because of Feldy, and you're comparing <laughs> anything re- like that to Feldy. <laughs> and I feel like you're you, there's no middle ground right now. Maybe I'm just, like, I'm just at, noticing. Like, it like well, like like at this point in life, there's no middle ground for you. Like it's either you're annoyingly, you know, taking control like Feldy does, or you're not doing anything. There's nothing in the middle for you. <laughs> yeah, that's but like Jerry true. Finn, but like Jerry Finn who did a lot of the Blink records and did a lot of great things, great albums throughout the years before he died. He w- he did a lot of the same things. Like he was in the studio, he was playing guitar along with, I like, I even watched like a Blink video yesterday when they were recording the self enti- self unentitled record. And Jerry Finn was in the room with Mark and Tom and they were all three of them were playing guitar with one another. But Jerry Finn doesn't have any songwriting credits. He's only billed as the producer and sometimes engineer. So I, I think it's just, it, he, he was just there to like kind of, 
make it so it made it easier for Mark and Tom to like riff off of one one another. And I think that's kind of how it was in this sense. It was easier for Stephen Kevin to to riff off of one another. I, I get it. I, I get it. I I don't, I don't think it's as nefarious as you think it is. I just don't want to. I don't want to listen to a song like, oh, this song sounds cool. Like who's who's playing drums on this? Oh, it's, it's the producer. Oh, this song's cool. I wonder who did the bass on this. Oh, it's it's the producer. That's, but then what? But that's but cool, then what's I guess. what's better? A session musician who has no relation to the to the song, or the fucking or the band music, can do or it, or the producer. But you know what I mean? Like like, like Josh Fries has played on a thousand records. And you know, is is him being a session drummer better than having the producer play the drums? Like, yes, what? yes. How is that better? Yes, it's the same idea. No, except that the producer has a better idea of where the band's at. Nah, because the producer yeah. has has his own mind of what he wants the sound to be, in coalition with what the band thinks that they want the sound to be. So they come to a middle ground. A session musician, like a session drummer, he's going to do exactly what they tell him to do, or he's not going to get paid. If he starts to add same, little, but that's the same. If he exact starts thing. to add little, no, it's not. It's not the same thing at all. Oh but God. if if he starts to add his own little flair and the band doesn't like it, he doesn't get paid. But the producer can kind of push the band to do things that they may not want to do, but because the producer is saying, "Hey, you'll make more money this way. You'll do things. You know, things will be better if you do it like this." The band will sometimes do it, especially for a debut album for a band that didn't even have a band. It's just two guys. They didn't even have yeah. a full band when they came out all this. But you're also looking at looking at this from the perspective of like the worst case scenario of a producer, because most producers, you know, they don't do that. They're there to like mediate and they're there to to get the best out of a band. And I feel like Eric Valentine did that well. I I don't agree with you on that at all on this record, at least. I just don't. I just don't like people that aren't in the band playing on albums. But that's don't what like a session it. musician is. It's the don't same like idea. It. It's the same idea. I don't like that. I don't, I don't really like that either. But I accept that because without that musician, then there would just be nothing. <laughs> so that's that. That's a what, what do you call? It? That's a necessary evil. Is is that what? Is that, I guess. Eh, I eh, guess. Eh, what this word? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't uh, all producers so. should just be like Steve Albini? They should just be like him. Oh, man, he's a great producer. Or Ross Robinson. Take a flat rate, do what they got to do, get out of there. Hate the get the best industry. out of a band. <laughs> Ross Robinson. He's the same way. He's he's like he's just another version of Steve Albini. Like they're they're kind of the same person, you know. That's that's they, all I want. Yeah, it's they're all both I great. Want. Both great producers. All right. Do we have anything else to say about semi charm life, or do we should we move on? What do you think? Well, we can move on. I don't think okay. uh, that's it. Okay. What is your biggest banger from this Third Eye Blind record, though? Because we haven't even got into our BBs yet. Uh, or, or I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I, oh. Do you have any stinkers on this record? No, there there are no stinkers. There's there's some songs I think are okay, but uh, no, there are no stinkers. I'm with you on the stinkers. No stinkers. So then, what is your BB? What is your biggest banger on this record? Uh, I think Burning Man. Burning Man is is my biggest banger. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. I it, really. It was a it was a long forgotten song, and and just in the past, I don't know, weeks, months, years, mm-hmm. it is it has crept up there. I mean, semi charm life. Semi charm life is not. It's 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 a it's a good song. It's a perfect song. 
but it's hard for me to just right out the gate say it's my biggest banger because it's it's my top three for sure, but <laughs> it's not my biggest. Would you say it's your number two then, at least? Am I charmed? Yeah, I'd probably say it's my number two. Okay, I mean that, that's still fair. That's that's fair. So let's get into let's get into Burning Man. Your your BB. So what do you got? <laughs> what? <laughs> the fuck was that? Oh, <laughs> uh, I just I okay. So I love the way Jenkins comes in on this one. It's just yes, very high, very delicate, very angelic. Yes. Uh, bass super heavy. Love that. Appreciate that. And I, I I love how they make me wait for the actual Burning Man part. There's a mm-hmm. couple choruses, and then the first one, they don't say, like, like a Burning Man. So they make me wait for it, and it just it builds it up, and it's just this big release. And when he says, like a Burning Man, it's just like, finally. And then you just scream it out. Scream it to the heavens, for God to hear. <laughs> love it. And the music, the music like under the chorus is just, like, it's just like two notes. It's so simple. It's so basic. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes us good because there's a lot of weird vocal fluctuations going on. And so yeah. to kind of dumb it down in the chorus, I think is solid, solid stuff. Just good songwriting, good direction. Every, everything about this song is absolutely perfect. I'm with you, man. This is um, what he does vocally. That it's, the, it's that falsetto thing that he does. It, he does it at the end of the verses, at the very end. He do, he just ends like the last word or like the last few syllables with that falsetto and it it's like what the fuck are you doing? But <laughs> for some reason it sounds so good. And I'm with you with the instruments too. I I love that 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 the 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 guitar through the verses and the the beginning and everything like that. It's so it's just so catchy. It's so good. I I, I love this song. I think this is a fantastic song. This is actually my uh, this is actually my number two banger. On oh this one. dang. Yeah, this is my number two banger. What's your number one? Semi Charmed Life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my number one is Semi Charmed. I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't not put that at number one. There, it, everything about Semi Charmed is perfect. <laughs> but we already went through that a lot. So uh, let, let's play a little bit of Burning Man and then we'll, we'll get more into the lyrics and, uh, and other stuffs. All right, so here's a little bit of uh, Burning Man from just like Third Eye Blind. Burning Man.
There's Bernie Man mm. from Third Eye Blind. Now, I think that one of, one reason why you like this song so much is because it sounds a lot like Weezer, early Weezer, because you have the weird like uh, strumming of the guitar, the clean guitar, and then the da na na. It's very like the switch from the clean to the heavy distortion is very Weezer, and then the downstrokes of the chorus are also very very Weezer. So I, I think that it's like this weird subconscious thing with you. Maybe. As to why you like it. Mm. But also I love that, you know, that you have that weird <laughs> clean guitar that almost sounds off time. And then it just that, that it's that da-na-na with like the wild distortion and everything. I love it. And then his, during, during the verse, the beginning of the verses, he, you could tell that Steven like really strains his voice for that first line. And then he goes into his normal voice. And then at the very end, he does the falsetto. So it's like he he he, he varies so much in the song. It's, it's fucking great, man. Yeah. It's fucking great. And also the clean guitar, listening to it now, it kind of reminds, the clean guitar reminds me a lot of uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like earlier, like early John Frusciante Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, from like Mother's Milk and stuff like that. I could, I could, I could definitely hear that. A lot of hammer-ons mixed in with slides and yeah, a lot of very technical stuff just to do something that's only going to last like four seconds, if that. Mm-hmm. But that kind of that kind of like meticulous approach to music writing is is always appreciated. But but you're right. I mean, there is a lot of there is a lot of Weezer in this and and just that songwriting aspect. But this song, you hear Stevens' highest and his lowest. In the chorus, when he says, you know, you'll never get what you need. But he says, like, <laughs> that's just like his highest. Yeah. But then he also goes like really low, too, in the other parts when he's just like, you know, oh, 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 oh. in the chorus as well. Like he goes low and then <laughs> yeah. high. And it's, it's fantastic. Yep. But then also, like you said, the, the, the heavy parts that are thrown in there at, at times. I think I think that's the way Third Eye Blind kind of sets you up because there are a lot of songs on here that are very like high and kind of slow and melodic that have these weird fast tempos thrown in there halfway through or these crazy distorted parts that are just thrown in there seemingly like at random yeah and if it wasn't for this whole album just being very well crafted then it would just it would be dumb it would be it would be (laughs) stupid it would be silly it wouldn't flow but but damn and kevin kevin Third Eye Blind God. is Kevin. Third Eye Blind is Kevin. He's wildly underrated. He's wildly underrated. That's for sure. His technical ability, his songwriting capability is wildly underrated. You know, it happens. And then lyrically, you know, th- this one for me, it, it talks a lot about, you know, Steven and his girlfriend being junkies, whether that be meth or whatever his drug of choice was at the time, or maybe still is, I don't know. But it talks about them both being junkies and how sloppy he is in every part of his life and how kind of fucked up he is. Yeah. And she knows it. His girlfriend knows it, but she's in the same boat as him. So, like, she doesn't know what to do to get out of the relationship, even if it betters for herself, because they're both so addicted. They're both such huge junkies. And it, it I feel like use, the music and the lyrics match up really well with, like, the, the back and forth of the highs and the lows of what kind of, you know, drug use can do to people. You a tumultuous relationship. You got yeah, your highs and, all, and lows. Exactly. So so it's it's not only just about 
drug use, but it's also the metaphor of being in a relationship with your highs and lows. So this is another great example of Stephen's great lyrics. You know, he has just this this insane way of 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 just speaking and writing lyrics. I love it. He's also an arrogant prick. He's well, he's yeah. he's a fucking dick. And like this song, for me, this song like he he's a dick, and he wants. He wants other people to admit that they're being dicks while also accepting his dickness. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so arrogant. Like he doesn't want to so feel selfish. as bad about himself. That's what it is. It, it, so it just, he, he tries to put it on everybody else. It's almost like a, a weird form of manipulation. Yeah. Like he wants people to feel bad that they're being mean to him, even though he's fucking mean to everybody all the time. Yeah. But the, the, the trans like into his life, it translates into his life. Like he's just, <laughs> oh, it's so irritating. It's just it's such a waste of talent. Such a waste of talent. It's frustrating, but it's so good at the same time. So you you can't be too mad because it's so good. No, you're right. Like I'm not mad at all because <laughs> even though all of their other albums are at best mediocre, at least we got this one. Yeah, at we got least we this got this one. Perfect album, or not? Actually, I'm sorry, it's not perfect. Uh, I will not say that it is not perfect. It's not gonna be perfect, but it'll be close. No. It'll be close. Yeah, this great album. This great album. Spoilers. Yeah, it's not perfect. <laughs> well, the next two for I me, I don't I, perfect for everything. Okay. Mm, that's sorry, debatable continue. too. Uh, the next two for me, I thought were okay. Good for you in London. Okay, I thought Th- those, those were your your two and three. No, no, those ones I just thought were okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I have so um, London. London and what was the other one? I'm sorry. Uh, London and Good For You, the two following oh, Burning okay. Man. Okay, got it. I thought those were okay. Unless you, unless you think they're bangers, then we don't, we don't talk about them. So, Good For You, I, I actually put this song is okay at best. Uh, I literally wrote that in caps. And then London is my sixth banger. I, got, I have seven bangers on this one. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it's, I think the reason why this, this ended up being a banger even though it's at toward the bottom of the bangers is that it's just the most aggressive song. It's one of the most aggressive songs on the record. It's heavy. It's heavy, like graduate, but it's, it's like faster. It's almost more punk like, but that was really the only reason why, but it's also very catchy. He still can, he has those hooks and he has that way of like trapping you and just loving how he, <laughs> how he sings and delivers those stupid lines. It's, he's it's a, great. he's a self hype man. And this one, the melody in, in the pre-chorus, it's like a it's like a calmer setup to the heavy mm-hmm. chorus. Like he's his own self hype man. It's it's really weird how he can just make us feel calm and and, and weird and just chill one moment and then throttle us the next. And and after that, and fourteen seconds later, slow it down again. But this one, I always, I always just forgot about this one, except for that. I don't want to go to London part. This. The verses I've Parts always really forgot good. about, and like, this whole song is just always, always forgot about it. But uh, like you said, I like the pacing of it; it doesn't really stop or slow down at all, and it's fine. But that that second verse, though, he has the. Let me. I'm trying to look it up real quick. The, in the second. Content. No, the the second verse, the way he. Ah, um, oh, fuck! What part is? It? Don't want to come Damn it! He, the way he like combines <laughs> words in that in that second verse to where, they're. I don't even remember. I, I don't remember what I what I wrote here, but that's why I should write Just better notes. Burn, man. But he has he does have an interesting way of delivering the lines throughout parts of the song, mm. which I thought was really cool. London, huh? Yeah, but that, that's my number six banger. So so we we can move on from that. Um, okay. 
So you got so we already talked about Burning Man and Semi Charmed. So those are both our our two banger, our two top bangers, but different order. So what is your 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 three B, third banger? Uh, probably losing a whole year. Really? I, I I think it's a perfect way to start out the album. It's it's like like he comes out swinging with these lyrics and his shouting, and like the softer music with his shouting, is mm-hmm. like perfect third eye blind. At this time, it's just absolutely perfect, and and there's not a lot of bands that can pull it off well, especially when the music is talented and the singing are is also very talented with very thoughtful and what whoa, with very what? good lyrics, and that bass that was whoa. really that, did you like did you scream or sneeze or something? No, I coughed, but uh, I coughed away from the mic. So I'm no, no, you did. <laughs> no, I did. I I literally looked away and I coughed. So you might have coughed up your fucking guts then because that was super loud. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue. The, ba- the bass the bass is heavy fun. Mm-hmm. Guitar plays lots of these like distorted chords, which kind of gives that the, this music like it's it's organized chaos type of sound. Ooh. But like like that that bridge that bridge here really does it for me the bridge is quick has this cool little solo slash lead that's heavy on the wah and i think that's what they do also really well is they they throw solos in there but they're so short i think there's only been like one or two the actual real solos they're so short they're more like leads and the transitions Mm -hmm. but they're still really damn good and sometimes the solos like have nothing to do with the fucking song but it still works like it still flows well it is weird I mean, they don't get. He doesn't get super technical with his with his uh, solos or anything like that. But it just it it. But it's more than a lead, like you said. It's more than like what bands like The Offspring do, where they just play like where Noodles just plays plays the the lead throughout the entire song or during the solo part. It's it's different. So I'm gonna play a little bit of uh, Losing a Whole Year from uh, the Third Eye Blinds. So here we go. <laughs>
There it is. Losing a whole year from Third Eye Blind. <laughs> you know, when I when I first heard this, or, or when I first put this record on reading the lyrics this week, I I thought like, fuck, man, this 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 album's gonna. I'm not gonna like this album as much after I read the lyrics because knowing his reputation over the last 25 years or so how this song makes it seem like he's very arrogant like oh i can get with like a really rich girl because i'm so great i'm so hot you know shit like that that's kind of like how he comes off in this song when you first hear it not knowing the lyrics to any other song so going into this i thought oh fuck dude, this is gonna suck like lyrically this is gonna suck but then you know you get into narcolepsy and you're like, okay, never mind. This this <laughs> like the the guy the guy is really fucking talented as a lyricist as well as a singer. But I I just wanted to throw throw that that two cents in there because that's exactly what losing a whole year is about. Him dating this rich girl because he's a she's trying to get back at her parents or society in a way because he's a struggling musician, a poor struggling musician. So it's almost like the self pity on his end too, like. Yeah, I guess this kind of leads to his arrogance in a way. There's a lot of like dwelling on 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 negative things in his life. Yeah, and I think that's I think he dwells on it more so than he probably should because he probably knows that it'll lead to really great music. But the drummer, at least on this record, okay. So it's weird because the drummer it, I don't know if he still is, but as far as like the last couple of years, the drummer Brad, he's the only one that's still in the band. Besides Stephen Jenkins and his style of drumming, really? yeah, huh. his yeah. style of drumming is fine. I, I don't I don't have any problems with it, but it's the way like I play drums. It's it's <laughs> it's very like I'm gonna do nothing, but then at the end of each you know, at the end of like the verse, I'm gonna throw a little fill in there and then get back to the beat. Like that's it. It's a very he throws out very basic beats all the time, but then he'll do roll, fills and rolls, but only in specific times after like yeah. the fourth measure and then he'll throw it in there and then go back to the beat after the fourth one, he'll go back to the beat again. So it's very, it's very formulaic, but it's fine. Again, it's fine for me. That's the weakest part of this album would be the drums, mm-hmm. but it's also interesting but, to note that he's still the only person that's still in the band. But also the music doesn't need anything more than that. That's what you, you know, think ev- though. That's everything what you else, think, everything else then, makes up for it. But then Cadigan comes in with crazy guitar lines and then the bass player comes Every in once with crazy bass fills. So, like, you think that that's all you need, but who knows? Who knows if it was a great drummer, if these songs would have been better? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess if, yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll never know. But I don't know. I feel like there are so many other really high points in this band to where you don't need another. Like, you just need the rhythm section there to to support the melodies and support everything else. Like you don't need anything flashy. You don't need, you don't need anything like that. You know, there, there's enough there already to really sustain you in a very good and long-term way. Well, so be, I, I feel like they, they do well. The drummer and the bass player do well. I mean, yeah, the bass player does have some great parts. The bass but, player is exponentially better than the drummer is based off of just this one album. But the bass player doesn't have any moment that I think like, wow, this is fucking great. Everything he does is just like really good, but because yeah. everybody else, minus a drummer, is so much better, he just falls short. That's no like knock to him. It's just he's the third best. Whereas the drummer is is he's he's okay. He's fine. But then that's where you he's need you need that you need that grounding 
and that grounding comes from the drummer. It's like people always like praise Ringo Starr and Phil Rudd from ACDC and shit like that for just being that solid, that solid base for everybody, for everybody else to shine. And I think that's kind of the purpose of this drummer and the, the way he plays on this record. I don't, I don't think he does it on purpose though. I, I think he just. I, think so. I, don't, I just don't think he's that good. Well, I've listened to three or four Third Eye Blind albums. He's never once done anything that has made me believe to. that he's better than that. But, but everyone else has had songs where they shine. Where oh, this is clearly the bass player's song because he's doing his thing. This is clearly the guitarist. This is clearly the rhythm guitarist's song. It's never been like that for the mm-hmm. drummer. It's, it's all he's all. I mean, like, he's, he's not bad. He's just he's fine. But yeah. my, my point is is that in a band. Like you're right. If everyone else is so good, like you don't need to be flashy, you don't need to be great. But a really good drummer can still be great and let everybody else do their thing. A perfect example of that is like Travis Barker. Travis Barker is like the opposite of that. He is very much the opposite. He has of that. no idea how it is to to let other people do their thing because he has trouble letting people do their thing. <laughs> but then you get the the drummer from like from Primus, right? The one, uh, both of them, or all three of them. The only the only one honest. I can remember is, is Tim Alexander. Okay, but all three of them. Yeah, so but but like, they're still fantastic, but they still let everyone else in the band do their thing. But yeah. on their own, they're still fucking great. It's so true. I don't know how much third eye blind, how much better they could have been without this drummer. I don't know. I, but then was, it's also I hard. Just, I was just saying that, that he's my least favorite part of this band. But that comparison is also really tough because comparing Primus to to Third Eye Blind, I mean, not only is their music wildly different, but talent wise, for the most part. You know, Primus is leaps and bounds over Third Eye Blind. I think only the only thing that Third Eye Blind does better than Primus are the vocals. I'm I'm not comparing the music in any way, shape, or form. I'm comparing like musicianship within the, the band itself. Mm, okay, okay. Within the band itself, and that is it. But All again, right. I, he's he's my least favorite part of the band because he plays drums the way I would play drums, and I'm not a good drummer at all. So. <laughs> So but I will say it. too, I will say too, he is my least favorite part of the band. Too. <laughs> so there you go. So that after that entire like stupid fucking rant and argument, we both agree on it. Like, why do we? Why do we just argue about this when we both agree on it? Because so dumb. I, I don't know. Because if we just had a podcast about things we disagree on, then who like who, nobody listens anyway? Yeah, but who the, the fuck want to listen to that? <laughs> That's true. It's very true. It's kind of interesting also how each member kind of gets picked off one by one. So Kevin got the hacks first, and then I guess Michael Urbano was before Brad Hargraves, the drummer, and then he left. And Brad came in, did a lot of the other tracks, and then Salazar left. And then they got another guy that came in who replaced uh, Cadigan, and he got kicked out like 2015 or something. Yeah, it was fairly recently, right? Yeah, it was. It wasn't that long ago, but but um, even uh, Salazar, the bass player, he he lasted through, I think, the early two thousands, if I'm not mistaken. Like he lasted quite a while after Cadigan did. Well, Cadigan got kicked out in like two thousand, or like right after Blue, which was yeah, ninety. It was right after Blue. Yeah. yeah. But but so like Cadigan, Salazar, and then uh, his name was F- Fredinelli, Fredinelli. I don't know how to say his name, Fredinelli. <laughs> but they re- they reformed, and they call themselves XEB. As like a play on three E B, third eye blind. They come on X E B and they played a bunch of shows and I think they still play shows. But obviously they've they've got numerous season desists and things like that. 
oh, which yeah, is absolutely. so stupid. But then, like, just to just to like fuck Cadigan as much as you possibly can, they released this this like greatest hits album in 06. Yeah. And all of the songs that Cadigan had written, he was completely omitted, 100% on the credits. Wow. And they replaced him with that, uh, at then the guitarist, the Fred and Nelly guy. <laughs> that is so fucking petty. It's, oh my it's God, so I hate It's so petty Steven and Jenkins. disrespectful. It's, he's oh, such a I dick. Hate it. And then in 2017, so like these guys, Cadigan, Salazar, Fred and Nelly, all the guys from XEB, they were doing an interview uh, with some magazine in like the Bay Area. And the most obvious question you want to ask is, do you think you could ever get back with Stephen Jenkins? Yeah. And in the nicest way possible, they all said, nope. <laughs> they said, <laughs> fuck no. They said, no way. Uh-uh. That's, it's just so insane how somebody can be so disliked within the music community. And what, what I thought was funny, too, I mean, back on the Stephen Jenkins hate train, uh, Zach Lind, the drummer from Jimmy Eat World, when when they when they toured with Third Eye Blind, whatever it was a year or two ago, like literally the day after the tour ended, Zach Lind posted this thing like on his Twitter and all of his social media, just dis- not destroying, but just like talking mad shit on Stephen Jenkson- Jenkins and how much of like a piece of shit he is, and just how they the band was pretty much miserable on that tour. And they didn't even want to tour like after the first couple of days and just and how he couldn't say anything until after the tour ended. I think it was almost like a like a like a legal obligation to where like they could not say anything negative until after the tour finished because then Dude, it would I, affect ticket sales like that for, for a band to come out and blast another band that they just spent a tour with like that. It has to be so bad because human nature you're gonna bicker you're gonna fight that's that's just yeah. normal things bands do while on tour together it's not a big deal but to blast somebody like that it had to have been a consistent thing and it had to have been so bad to me yeah. and, the, and the guys from jimmy rule they're they are kind of disgruntled not, i would say yeah, they're, they're not the most positive group of people yeah but still but they're not dicks but either yeah but like very few <laughs> people have bad things to say about jimmy world it's rare it's very rare it's just it's super weird and not only that but you know jimmy world and third eye blind it was a fairly big tour you know production wise they all had their own buses i'm sure and you know it was it was a big thing so for for zach lynn to come out and still talk shit on him like when they could have easily just avoided third eye blind or stephen jenkins in the end like they could have avoided him never seen him on tour just played their set and that's it that's all but for him to come out after the tour like shit must have really been stupid and very very shitty on Jenkins end for it, for them to do that. Yeah. To say that. I mean it's just it's not like they were in the same bus or the same van with one another. They were probably separated most of the time, but it was that bad. It's crazy to think about. Oh boy. I just I just but the I, I, fucking talented. I love I love hating him. I love I love shitting on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun. I got, I got a couple more things. We can I can keep going. <laughs> earlier, earlier, I mentioned that he. Uh, it's not just musicians that hate him, but so there was this. Uh, I read this this story. This this guy named Vander Slice. He he's a studio on- owner, and he was. Uh, or Third Blind was scheduled to record at his studio, and he was meeting with Jenkins um, just to go over paperwork and things like that. And he said at the time he had a fairly big office, and and there was a lot of open room, and so Jenkins brings a chair 
like goes around the desk, sits right in front of him, flips his chair around, you know, how like cool guys sit, oh and then sits God. on the chair backwards and just stares at him. Just stares at him for like several minutes until he's like, What are you like, what are you fucking doing? And then tries to negotiate a lower rate. After they'd already like agreed upon this rate, he tried to like negotiate. Like this was they were already done, like negotiating. He was just signing the paperwork. Wow. And it's just that like that like old school like scare tactic, you know, like Dick Tracy style <laughs> interrogation. He just like this guy Vanderslice just thought he was a fucking idiot. This is the biggest idiot he's ever met in his life. That's 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 amazing. I love that. <laughs> I love I love the stupidity butthole. of it all. Oh, it's great. <laughs> He's such a butthole. I can't even believe it. He really is. He truly is. And like a lot of his music, it just seems like he's he's he sings a lot about wanting to like be in control of relationships and he's almost delusional in his ideas that he is the, you know the loser in relationships. Mm-hmm. If there's a winner and a loser in a relationship, he thinks that he's like the loser or he pretends to be. Or he's doing this long con thing. I don't know, but this—I think he's just fucking delusional. I think he—he he has no idea what it's like to be a normal person. I—I mm. I agree with you. I agree with you 100 percent on that. It's crazy how anybody can even work with him. Those in the band, producers, <laughs> anything. I don't. Record execs. I—I I just don't understand it. Yeah. No. Seriously. And then even Cadigan, right? So so Cadigan sued him for unpaid royalties. Because supposedly when they got their big record deal and they're getting their big paycheck, it was it was this verbal contract that Jenkins and Cadigan had always had since the dawn of Third Eye Blind. And at like the mm-hmm. last hour, Jenkins, he, he, he incorporated three different corporations and then split all of the all the monies into those three corporations and gave Cadigan essentially nothing without telling him and did this at like the midnight or the 11th hour or whatever it was and then yeah. kicked him out of the band. Fuck man. He eventually he did so get a settlement. Shady. I think the settlement was like somewhere I think he sued for five hundred thousand and he eventually got like four hundred and fifty thousand or something like that. So he eventually did like get some nothing. money. Yeah, but compared to the six million this sold, like, come on. No, that's what I'm saying. Like Cadigan Cadigan yeah. got fucked. That's Absolutely. What I'm it sucks. Oh man. It's sad. Fucking sad, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. So yeah, your number three banger was losing a whole year, right? I, was your third? It's it's hard because I think losing a whole year in narcolepsy, I think they go perfect together. And yeah. I, I almost like to consider them just one song because even if I put any of these songs on a playlist, I'll put both of these on. And if losing uh-huh. a whole year comes up, I'll automatically just go to narcolepsy right after. Just I don't know. It's just my subconscious or my OCD kicking in or something. I, I consider those one song. So narcolepsy also goes in with my third banger if I can do that. I'm going to do it. I don't care. That's fine. I mean, DGF. that's actually my third banger. Narcolepsy DGF. is my third banger. So we're 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 very much on the same page here, which is it's pretty remarkable. This is like the third week in a row where we're kind of on we're on the same page on some things. So I'm gonna play a little bit of narcolepsy and then well, let's just talk about it real quick. So here here it is from uh, Third Eye Blind. I'm on a train But there's no one at the helm And there's a demon in my brain It starts to overwhelm
you go. There's narcolepsy from Third Eye Blind. I wanted to play it through that solo because I like that. That solo it was pretty cool. It was very short, but it was very chaotic at the same time. I loved it. I thought it was <laughs> and it's, that build up um, in the song too. Is yeah, this this is this is like a this is like a perfect climb, and that solo is is a is a perfect relief to that climb. Yeah, absolutely. But damn, dude, this intro is. <clears throat> this this song is like two different songs bridged together and like the intro it's just like these beautiful guitar sounds just these fantastic chords and jenkins has like this little rasp in his voice you can church it up a little bit in there bass players noodling <laughs> along but yeah damn it's just when it kicks in fast and hard is it's it's undeniably fantastic i i 100 percent agree with you on that and my second favorite like lyrical part is on this song too. That when he when he just repeats, like how would you like to be alone and drowning? That that part where he just repeats it over and over and over. I yeah, love that part. Love it. It's the build up that really gets me in this song. I think it's it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And it and I agree with you too. Lyrically, I mean, I, you said like it goes hand in hand with losing a whole year, and I feel like that that also translates lyrically because it for me it talks about you know how he can't sleep at night and when he does sleep it's just filled with nightmares and and negative thoughts while you're sleeping so all he wants to do is wake up and I feel like that goes hand in hand with what he talks about with the breakup at the end of losing a whole year it's it's great sequencing really great sequencing and then semi-charm life comes in he's 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 in the the down part just starts just taking a bunch of drugs and then hooking up with floozies. <laughs> but then it kind of makes you wonder too, like, no, I guess, I guess it doesn't. I was going to say maybe it's the same girl, but no, I, I think it's, it's the down, downwards, dude, downward spiral. spiral. It's fantastic. I think, I think Stephen Jenkins like prides himself on the amount of women he sleeps with. He's, he's one of those type of people. I mean, I could definitely see that, seeing his reputation. I I could totally understand that. Oh, man. So what do you got for your number four banger? Or um, do, do you have any ba- any more bangers? Yeah, I got tons of more bangers. But this What's is... your number four? We, ha- we should talk about this song because it's so popular. And it's still good, but it is wildly overplayed. And listening to it this week, it, it kind of gave me like the Smells Like Teen Spirit effect. Oh and, no! And that's, oh no! That's, that's jumper. Okay, okay. I mean, come on, I, jumper, jumper is 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 arguably more played than like semi charmed life. I, I would say that it is more played yeah. than semi charmed life. No, I think it's about even. I think it's about even. Honestly, yeah. no, you're right yeah, because be. because they're both played a lot in movies, also. Whereas whereas jumper is usually played in the foreground less mm-hmm. often. Semi-charmed life is kind of played like in the background more often. Yeah, yeah, but, that's true. But but jumper man, like it's a good song. It is. It, it, Jenkins is earnest. He sounds he sounds great. The acoustic his car is is solid throughout the song. Like this band just knows how to milk their instrumental breaks, and this is a perfect example of it. But mm-hmm. this is just like objectively a good fucking song. It's it's just I've heard the song so many goddamn times that it's. I don't know. I get I get a little embarrassed when I listen to my car. <laughs> Jumper is actually my number five banger on this one. I didn't I didn't want to like it as much until I read the lyrics. 
or I didn't like it as much until I read the lyrics and then the bridge and the lead guitar, the, the lead guitar in the bridge, I just thought was, I've never really noticed it until this week. It just that it's, it's really good. And then just the, the way it builds up going into the bridge and then out of the bridge and then Steven's, you know, he just screams at the very end and it just leads into the, to the, like the closing of the song. And I, I think it's a, like a beautifully written song. Yeah. The beginning's really cheesy with the acoustic guitar and, and him just singing right away. I think that part's really cheesy, but if you could take that out of the song, I think outside of that, it's a really just, it's a truly great song. And it's not, I mean, yeah, it could be interpreted as like a song about suicide, but it's, it can also be interpreted in a more just trying to move on with your life. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It, just, it has, I feel like this song is, is kind of, is one of the most, is one of the more ambiguous songs on the record and it can be taken in so many different ways. And I, that's kind of what I liked about it. I think like the suicide thing is, is definitely the, the most common interpretation, which is not a false interpretation by any means, no, but I, not I, at all. I think just like overall it's, it's, the song is just more about rather than punish like problems. Let's just talk about problems, like step back from that ledge. It's, it's more like step back from those feelings. Let's talk about it. Let's hang out. Let's, 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 let's do something about it before there are consequences to the action you are about to take. Not necessarily just suicide, but suicide is the, the easiest one to, to kind of go along. But also that scene in Yes Man. You ever seen Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Oh, yeah, of course. That's a good fucking scene. Like when he sings it is Jumper, a really good scene. It's, so, yeah. it's so cheesy, but it's so it good. Is. I don't even care. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> that's, a, that's a, you know, I feel like that's one of Jim Carrey's more underrated movies. Yeah, definitely. It really is because he's really so is. damn old, and 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 that <laughs> horrible actress Zoe is so much younger hey. than him, and they form this relationship. And of course, she plays the same fucking character she always does. But no, it's it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some really cool nuance in the guitars here. There's like random feedbacks before riffs, and there's these subtle notes, mm-hmm. and like all these little things really give this song some some more complexity, some good character to it, rather than just being an acoustic song with some, with some rock involved. Yeah. Or like a radio hit. Like it's really viewed as like a radio hit. That's what it is. I mean, this for sure is like the epitome of a radio hit. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still, I, I, I still listed it as one of my bangers, like I said, because of the lyrics and because of what I noticed, like, I don't know, like with the bridge and everything in the buildup. So that, that's why I, I rank this one a little bit higher on the record. We don't need to play, <sighs> we don't need to play it though. Yeah, no, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to play it. I mean, everyone's fucking heard it. And, um, but I do want to talk about another one. This one is my fourth banger. This one is, I didn't think I liked this song that much until I, I, I listened to it and I read, read along to the lyrics. And this is just one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. And that's, how's it going to be? How's it going to be? Yes. Dude, this song is just, this is like, their I ballad. had no idea. I had no idea how, I mean, I've always liked the song musically, but. Oh my God! Did you read the lyrics? And it's just—it's so fucking sad. Dude, but he—he he, he delivers it so well. It's—it's oh, it's great. His, his voice goes from just from like I, I can't even like explain it in, like in a in a in a way that would justify it or do it justice. I guess it, yeah. he, there's just so many different emotions in his voice, and that he screams and he like cries, and it, there's it's crazy. And those hammer-ons from the guitar. Oh my god, I love it. And the build here is so gradual and it's it, it works because it's so 
it's so unexpected and it kicks in like pretty abruptly. And then, mm-hmm. dude, then when he starts shouting, it's it's just, I I I, I just I feel for him. I feel for I feel bad for him. I know, and you almost don't want to because you <laughs> know his history. But dude, the guy can write so well. He can write so well. I I'm gonna play it even though it's the saddest song. I'm gonna here's here's how's it going to be from Third Eye Blind. There you go. How's it going to be from Third Eye Blind? I played a lot of that song. But you needed it. You need to hear that climb and that relief and that strain and that emotion that he's throwing out there. Yes, absolutely. 
Dude, like, oh my. I want to taste the salt of your skin. Is my favorite line in this whole song. Oh my god, like, dude, I, it's so desperate. Like, and it's just the song. Like for me, it's just being in a relationship and knowing that the end is coming, but you just, yeah. you're trying so hard to put it off, and you're trying so hard to do do extra things to delay the inevitable, and you're putting yourself out there, and in doing so, you're just gonna make it worse when it eventually does happen, and it's. Oh, it's so heart wrenching for him. I feel it bad is. for him. I hate feeling bad for him. And Do it's almost like you. It's like you know. I feel like everybody's experienced this in some way. Uh, you know, the, this sort of feeling like you you know it's gonna it's not gonna work out, and but you're just you're just trying to keep it together. And oh my god, dude, the song is so good. But then also you can you can take it from the viewpoint of not just a relationship with like a like a like a romantic relationship. I feel like you can you could look at this from a friendship. You know, you have, I don't know, like I, we've all had friends where we've, we thought we were super close or we were close for many years. And then it gets to the point where like you kind of start to drift away from the, you start to drift away from one another. And then you start to have the the same feelings for a friend that you almost do for somebody in a romantic relationship. Like if you're that, that connected, I I feel like it, it, it can translate in both, in both ways. It's, no, it makes sense, dude. This is this is just a just a an amazing song. This is the best song lyrically on this entire record. Just the best, the best, Jerry, the best. I I may, I I I may agree with you on that one. This one, this is the only song that like made me actually truly truly feel something because I've Oof. I felt that. Yeah, well, I felt okay, that, first of all, you're a monster. If this is the only song on the album that you felt well, something, well, okay, okay. Let, let me Sasquatch monster over here. This is this is the one song oh, that Yeti. made me feel the most, the most something. Let's just say that because I've <laughs> felt that experience in in both ways. With what is with, this? What is this feeling in my stomach? I know. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Eesh. Oh God! But yeah, no, I, I felt this way about you know romantic relationships and friendships. You know, it's they they go hand in hand when you have that kind of connection with a friend. It could feel the same as like a breakup with a with a significant other. It's the same thing. It's true, it and, and it's, this it's not like exclusive to like you said exclusive to romantic relationships, but like the best way to to think of it is is like as a kid your best friend moves away and the parent yeah. both parents are like no you'll still see each other don't worry about it but you never do and then when they do come back to visit like yeah you'll hang out but it's it's never the same no like never you, like you never. guys just hang out and try and recapture that that thing that spark that you once had but it's just it's not you're two different people now you're not the same and yeah. and that feeling before it happens that that feeling of knowing it's going to happen is like what this song is about like you know that's where it's going and that is so sad in any relationship oh, terrible such a terrible it feeling it's awful but he, god damn he can he does it he conveys it so well in this i it's unbelievable fucking a plus steven jenkins a fucking plus on this one <laughs> you, you done good you done good you this is why you probably ended your career because you wrote this song yeah honestly Honestly, uh, yeah. I mean, besides burning, no, mm, no. There's, 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 there's a lot of bangers here. After that, no, there are, there truly are more bangers. Yeah, but lyrically, you cannot beat this song from Stephen Jenkins. This is, this is the end of his career lyrically. Is this song? <laughs> Just saying, 
Yeah, this is his magnum opus. Ah, oh, dude, just taste the salt of your skin. It's just nah, that that is a great that oh, is a great line. Love it, love it. All right, we got anything else to say? Do we got any other bangers? What do you what do you got? Um, because I've talked about pretty much everything. Yeah, I've talked about everything. What about graduate? Do you, do you like graduate? Oh, I love graduate, <clears throat> but this didn't quite make my banger list. Do not graduate. Can't uh, get punk ass off the street. It's not the it's not the fastest song, but it is the heaviest song on this one. I I do like the song a lot. This one's cool because the guitar in this one also throws in just these random like slides and and the guitar stalls at times, and and, yeah. and it sounds like choppy and and weird. Mm-hmm. But then it leads into the solo, and the solo is like meticulously crafted. It's sloppy and then pretty, and then goes to sloppy and heavy, and then like pretty and nice, and it's it's good. I, and I think like. So I, in my notes, I wrote, this is a self-reflection song about him being a better person and songwriter. And then I wrote, no, because yeah. he's a dick. <laughs> so that's the, the, like these are the notes I write to myself as I'm listening. And then I realize, like, no, 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 no. Oh, my no, God. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cannot graduate. Like he's, like he's trying to be a better person. Yeah. But he's full of shit. He's not trying to be a better person. He's not trying to do anything. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. But then he's also wanting people to like understand why he's why he wants to evolve and be a better person. But you know, in the end, he he doesn't really become a better person. Cannot becomes graduate. worse, as far as I know. Oh, Such so a banger. Yeah. Should I play graduate? Um, no, you don't have to. And what what about thanks a lot? So thanks a lot. I like I like the chorus. I like the thanks a lot part itself. But yeah, I think the song is saved by that chorus because I think the verses are. The verses are they're they're whatever's. They're, I feel like they're just they're they're heavy without melody. They're yeah, heavy without I'm reason. with you. The only thing I remember ever from this song is the the falsetto vocals in the chorus, and it reminds me so much of losing a whole year. <laughs> like yeah. it's a, it's like the the one thing that you can that you only remember from each of those songs. So in this way, this is like almost like a watered down version of losing a whole year. Not to say it's bad. But it it's definitely very much in the same vein of losing a whole year. It's interesting that they throw thanks a lot right after how's it gonna be, where like this the, the lyrical complexity, how's it gonna be, and then goes into thanks a lot, and that's just kind of like an ode, a sarcastic ode to a shitty relationship. Yeah. And I think that's kind of funny. But it's also it this this song also like kind of shows his how manipulative he is because we kind of see, you know, earlier on in the re- or throughout part most of the record, like he's kind of he plays himself off as the victim, and in this song, it's it's fr- kind of from the viewpoint of him as being like the one in control and the one that that's kind of manipulating the girl and saying, you know, you're the reason why I'm this way, and I feel like maybe this is the first taste of the real Stephen Jenkins. I think that's that like the perfect know word. To describe Jenkins is manipulative. I think so too. Because he, as the listener, he tries to manipulate us into thinking like like he's the victim, he's the loser. Yeah. But he's not in any capacity. He is, I don't want to say winner, but he's like the aggressor of all relationships that he's probably been in. He's yeah. he's he's like the he's the bad person. He's just a bad dude. He's just not a nice guy. And then the one song, and think about it too. The one song on this record where he shows us true colors is a song that is okay at best. You know, it's not one of the big bangers. He kind of like put, he throws this song into the middle of the record, 
kind of like a not a forgettable song, but there's not enough there for people to really remember it. Which one? Thanks a lot. Oh yeah. That's the song we were just talking about. Oh That's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're, not you're, right. you're right. You're I'm listening. not listening. I was doing I was no. playing Game Boy. Yeah, of course. I, was. <laughs> I Pokemon. have a Game Boy. Oh yeah, I have, oh, a, Game Boy. I have a Game Boy SP. You're such an idiot. Got him. But anyway, yeah, that that was that was thanks a lot. Um, we've literally talked about everything but the last three songs, and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the background, just real quick, the background, the guitar tone reminds me a lot of, of "Where's My Mind" by the Pixies. Sounds oh. very very similar. But other than that, uh, I'm I'm fine with it. The background's a good. I, that's a banger for me. I want you. That's a banger for me. Motorcycle drive by. That's an okay slash banger. I don't know if I'm yeah. st- was still on the fence with it, but uh, other than that, I'm I'm fine. I want to like motorcycle drive by more, but I feel like the the first half of the song is too long. Yeah, like because it it jumps to the to the indie part and the faster part very abruptly, and it should have been done you know like maybe forty forty five seconds in, but it took like a good half a song before it it jumped in and because after it jumps in it gets really fucking good right they they reward patience with fantastic songwriting and motorcycle drive-by there was too much patience and not enough fantastic songwriting and then god of wine the last song i just felt like it was it was okay there's nothing there it was okay at best there's nothing really there for me i think that's like been a staple in their shows too like forever that's so weird it's it's pretty good. It's good. It's good. I don't know. I just, I couldn't get into it. And then there is one bonus song, and it's called "Tattoos of the Sun" or "Tattoo of the Sun." Tattoos of the Sun. Did you listen to that one? I did not. I think that one was actually written by, um, mostly written by the bass player Salazar. Oh. Yeah, and it was okay. It wasn't. It was okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I could play it if you want. No, it's all right. No, you, yeah. it, you, it wouldn't be doing it justice enough because I do like the bass no. player and I think he's really good and. I will listen to that song tonight. It's a pretty cool song. It, it's just not, I don't know. It, it was a B-side technically, I guess. And uh, one other thing I want to talk about this record, outside the music videos, which I thought were pretty boring. Yeah. But they did make music video, a music video for Semi-Charm Life, How's It Going to Be, Losing a Whole Year, and Jumper. Uh, and those were all wildly popular music videos, as far as I know. They're all the same. They're all fucking boring. Yeah, they're, they're just pretty generic mid-90s music videos nothing really there just walk around talking to the camera baby it's all you got to do in the 90s exactly you're absolutely right <laughs> that's all you have to do <laughs> and then i i did read on the wikipedia page that uh they recorded i don't think this is true i think this is just something somebody added and then nobody really noticed it and took it off but it said that they recorded part of this record at skywalker ranch all right so which i did you I, did you look I, into it because I, I totally did. forgot i did look into okay. it <laughs> so here's what happened they, okay. uh, they, their manager was their friend, whoever their friend was became their manager and, and he pushed for the band a lot and he helped him, he helped promote the band quite a bit and just sent out letters and all this stuff. So they met up with this guy, David Gleason. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was some type of, of record executive from somewhere, A and R rep or something, something like that. But, uh, he is the one that helped them sneak into Skywalker Ranch and they recorded slow motion. The song oh. Slow Motion, which would be a demo for them, which later appeared on Blue. That song was recorded at Skywalker Ranch. So not, I don't think anything on this album was recorded there, but that song Slow Motion <laughs> was recorded at Skywalker Ranch. That's so bizarre. It, that in itself is so weird. Like, what part is weird, though? The fact that they 
like this happened for them or the fact that Skywalker Ranch allowed somebody just to sneak on and record music? Both. But I don't, I don't understand. Like, like is was Skywalker Ranch in the nineties that big that people were just fucking coming in and coming out? Nobody had any kind of, like nobody (laughs) knew. Was there a, but I think it's also, but I think it's also like, why would they even credit that as a place (laughs) where they recorded it? Like, it, it just seems like one of them is just such a star Wars fan that they just had to throw that on there as a credit. Just it, as like a, like a fun joke. And that could but not it, have been Stephen Jenkins, who's a Star Wars fan. There's no way. Yeah, he's not fun enough. It doesn't <laughs> seem like. It, so just, yeah, it that, was such a from, weird thing. I was shocked. From what I read, yes, that was, that was correct in some aspects. <laughs> still cool. Yeah, still cool. Him. But that song's yeah. kind of dumb. I don't like that song. I don't remember that song, to be honest. <laughs> Good. I really Me don't. Too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that slow motion song was supposed to be on this record. But it never f- went past the demo stage because they already had enough there. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. That's why they credited this. I don't. I don't. The, the only know. the only slow motion song that I like or want to hear is by Juvenile. Slow I motion. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You fucking idiot. Because I was thinking I the same thing. Song. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that song is so bad, but I love it. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. What are your final thoughts on this Third Eye Blind record? Third Eye Blind. What do you got? Go. And your rating. I I come back to this record quite often. I I would say probably through and through front to back. I'll listen to this once every couple months at at minimum. Yeah. If if I'm ever in the mood, I'll come back to it again. If if my mom comes out, if I visit my mom, anything that always like brings up cuz she really loves this band and this album, so I'll listen to it then again. Which actually is kind of funny because she loved this band so much. But then I brought up how big of a dick Stephen Jenkins is, and I kind of soured her taste a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny. I I can like dude front to back. I can listen to this, and I won't skip tracks. I won't I won't feel bored. And it's it's like an hour long, and and but it it's it's a ride. It is a ride. Yeah. And uh, there's there's just there's no. There's no filler songs here. Even the oh songs that I think are okay have parts to them that I think are fantastic. So there is no... I don't think there is any songs... There aren't any songs on the album that the band wrote as just filler songs. I think everything is, is crafted into the, into the theme as a whole. Some not as good as others, but even like the bad songs, I think just because they're compared to the fucking juggernauts of the album just makes them seem a little less. I agree on that. But um, I mean, dude, this is a banger of an album. This is so fucking good, and and just like listening to it again, I really want to buy this on vinyl and just kick back in my vinyl room and drink some brewskis and <laughs> and feel bad about relationships. <laughs> uh, it's not a perfect album. There, there's there's things on here I I don't I don't particularly think are perfect, but uh, overall, it's it's a fucking banger. And I'm I I can't go lower or higher than a two point eight. So two point eight is, is my final, my final offering to the Ooh. god of wine. So if you don't know, our rating system is based on three points. Three is a perfect album. Uh, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, but you should give it a shot. And zero is the type of album that after you listen to it, you should have your ears run over by a truck because it's that bad. <laughs> and so yeah, you give it a two point eight. That's that's high. That's high. And you rarely throw out the perfect, so having a 2.8 is very high for you. Yeah. 
and like you, I don't throw out the perfect very often. But um, <laughs> Tyler. But uh, so yeah. So my my final thought is, you know, there there are a couple, a few songs that are just okay at best. Uh, and but they're only okay, like you said, because the greatness of some of of semi charm life of narcolepsy of songs like that you know they're not bad there's not a bad song on this record and every time i listen to this i always think man i gotta listen to this record more i haven't heard it in a long time but then i just kind of like forget about it which sucks but then when i do revisit it i'm just like super stoked and happy about it and then after reading the lyrics because i've never got into the lyrics because i've never been a lyricman but now that i have it gives it gives these songs so much more so many more dimensions and so much more perspective and i just i i still really don't think Stephen jenkins is a very good person but dude the fucker can write great lyrics and he can he's a great singer so yeah. kevin cadigan also dude he's he's an amazing songwriter amazing melody maker and a true true underrated person as a songwriter and um after all that i'm gonna have to give this album i'm gonna have to give it a 2.8 as well man damn it's it's those those good those great songs are are so great that you cannot you cannot give it lower than that they're that good (laughs) so yeah 2.8 out of three for me uh my name is tyler if you didn't know that (sighs) i got i had to give that one a 2.8 so that was good that was that was a great listen i I didn't. I like I said. I forgot how great it was. How great this album was. <sighs> Do you got anything else to say about this this damn podcast? Um, getting ready for next week. Yeah, getting for, ready for our next episode. Getting ready for next week. Oh, it might be a doozy. I don't know. I, it, really I mean, it'll know. be fun. It'll be it'll be fine. There's you know, it's whatever's. Let's hope. I so. guess you know whatever's you know. Let's you hope know, so. You know. Let's hope so. You know. Well. This is Asinine Radio. Thank you, you know. again for listening yeah. uh, to the podcast. Go to you iTunes. Go, go rate, review, and subscribe yeah, to yeah, us yeah, on there. Yeah. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Email is asinineradio at gmail.com. Send us an email. I don't care. Just do something. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Don't be a Bocephus and give us a shitty one-star review because that's fucking lame and that's stupid and that doesn't help anybody. And you're just an idiot. So, <laughs> I mean... I got nothing else Stupid to say. Bocephus. What yeah, a fucking dummy. Bocephus. That's it. That's all. Oh, this fucking episode. Fuck, man. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Fuck. Third Eye Blind. This band formed in San Francisco. Oh, dude, I can't even do this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is the greatest episode ever.